What does the future look like for Mel Tucker and his Michigan State Spartans up in East Lansing, Michigan? The snowball was building all throughout the 2022 preseason in terms of recruiting, expectations, name, image, and likeness. Everything was going in the right direction for Michigan State entering 2022. And then a 5-7 and seven season marred by injuries, marred by the tunnel incident, by poor coaching, anything you could think of. Everything went wrong for Michigan State in the 2022 season. In the 2023 preseason, which we're still in, it's still going on, but Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman transferred out. Jaden Reed got drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Amir Speed somehow got drafted as well and I think the fifth round and now the future looks totally different many people view Mel Tucker from a totally different lens their lens is inconsistent because it is totally based on recency bias it is based on the idea that your record regardless of your strength of schedule regardless of your recruiting power rankings is what you are Some have the lens that all that matters is recruiting. We live in a world full of extremes, and I think taking the more balanced approach is the better option. Michigan State's momentum entering 2022 was like a snowball rolling down a hill, building, 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 and it looked really intimidating at one point. Like There was a reason to think that this program could become the premier program in the state of Michigan and be a team that many could see winning a Big Ten title in the near future and contending for the Big Ten championship in 2023, 2024, and beyond, with many, myself included, viewing 2022 as just a temporary step back for a great great leap forward. Now we don't know. Spring came around, summer came around, and it melted the snowball to its core. And the snowball went from being a 20 by 20 hulking intimidating thing to just an ice ball by the time it got down to the valley at the conclusion of the 2022 season with losses to indiana and penn state on the road so what does the future look like a great 2021 season we're not even going to count 2020 because it was covid covid is a year that was impactful for a lot of programs I wouldn't say that about Michigan State since it was Mel Tucker's first season. And even though they beat Northwestern and beat Michigan when they were ranked, overall they were a pretty bad football team. 2021 was a great team. 2022 was a bad team. And now Mel Tucker is entering year four. Some might say year three, and that's understandable. But his guys are finally getting on the field, and he has one of his toughest schedules in his tenure, both as a coordinator and as a head coach in front of him, facing Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, when all of these teams are viewed as preseason playoff contenders. He also faces Washington, another preseason playoff contender, and Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. Those are crossover games from the other side. Those are Three good Big Ten West teams. Those teams should be in the middle to upper half of the Big Ten West. So not an easy schedule for Mel Tucker and company. There is Central Michigan and Richmond to start off the year, and the 10 games that follow that 
seeing how Michigan State was last year and seeing how tough the schedule is, if Michigan State's not careful, any of those games could be losable. Plenty of trap games and plenty of games where the Spartans will be double-digit underdogs. So the future for Michigan State, both immediate and looking a little further ahead past 2023, though that is very hard to do, that's what today's video is going to be about. Before we get into it, I encourage you to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, comment what you think Michigan State's future in the realm of football is down below. Do you think Mel Tucker makes it past 2024? Do you even think that he makes it past this season? If, if they bottom out and go worse than 5-7, and seven, I think there is a realistic chance, given the money that MSU's donor base has, and given how quickly the fan base seemed to turn on him after 2022, there's a very realistic chance the plug could be pulled. Does he stay at Michigan State for many years past this season? And is he still on the right track? Does he win a Big Ten title? Let me know your thoughts down below. And it's going to be very interesting to see Michigan State's position, because when divisions are abolished, scheduling's going to change, USC and UCLA are going to come into the conference. Some think that Notre Dame gaining AAU status means they could join the conference. Washington and Oregon seem to be in talks with the Big Ten. Some even think Miami. I know that Mark Rogers even made a video where I think he discussed that Miami would even be a good fit for the Big Ten, which I don't know if I agree with that from a geographical standpoint, but TV earnings... And just where college football is going in general, I would say Mark Rogers is pretty spot on. Very good channel, by the way. If you haven't heard of the voice of college football, go and check that out. But we're talking about Michigan State here. And Michigan State's future, I would say I don't know much about. In the sense of I don't have an opinion that is hot or cold. I'm not very high on them, and I'm not very low on them. And there are many reasons for that. Michigan State has many obstacles that it is facing. And these obstacles right now are glaring at you in your face. And their eyes are popping out of their head. They look so big and so intimidating to you, whether you're a Spartan fan or a college football fan, that it may be overwhelming. But in the same way that many are very low on Michigan State this year, many were too high on Michigan State entering last year. And balance is a good thing. And in the 2022 preseason, we got to see all the advantages that Michigan State had. They have a nice campus. They have a very underrated college football history that many people seem to forget. I mean, Mark D'Antonio right now is currently on the ballot to be inducted into the college, college Football Hall of Fame. And he was a Hall of Fame head coach. What he did at Michigan State, beating Urban Meyer twice, which I think the only other coach to do that is Nick Saban, beating Urban Meyer twice, fielding some of the best defenses that the world has ever seen with the little amount of talent that he got in terms of recruiting. He was a great developer, not necessarily a great recruiter if you look at star rankings only, but he knew how to find diamonds in the rough. He knew how to maximize Michigan State's wins every single year. He went 13 and 1 in 2013, 11 and 2 in 2014, 12 and 2 with a playoff berth in 2015. 
He was an elite head coach at his peak, and even though his tenure ended, ended pardon me, on a sour note, most coaches who are dedicated to the game want to stay until they can't coach anymore. Joe Paterno did not end on a good note. Some think Nick Saban won't end on a good note. Paul Bear Bryant didn't end on a good note. I mean, Michigan State's history, even recently, is rather impressive. Michigan State, in terms of NIL, was ahead of the game when it all started. Mel Tucker knows how to utilize the transfer portal. And those are some of the advantages. And some of the disadvantages, of course, are the fact that Michigan State's not an elite program. They currently are not playing at even a great level. They're coming off of a losing season. And the transfer portal, while it can benefit mid-level programs, I think the transfer portal and NIL and a lot of the things that college football is moving toward do, to a certain degree, hurt some of the the middle-of-the-road teams. They really do destroy the lower teams, although... The transfer portal, in theory, allows you to more easily rebuild teams that are in a bad state. But the minute a team like Indiana gets anyone with significant talent, like A.J. Barner, for example, they're going to go to a better school. For Michigan State, though, I would say it's somewhat similar. There are some permanent obstacles that Michigan State and their fans must realize they have moving forward. Number one is recruiting and the portal. They're not elite right now. Their program historically is not elite. They're not a blue blood. They're not this premier school. And because of all those things factored in, plus their coach isn't proven, their staff isn't proven, they will struggle to recruit and maintain good players. By Joby, who is a top 50 player, defensive end from Oklahoma, I think he's top 50, he is the exception, not the rule. For now, things can change. That's why college football is entertaining, because even though it feels like Alabama and Georgia are the best teams all the time, we used to feel that way about Clemson. People used to feel that way about Ohio State in the 2000s, same with USC, and even Ohio State in the Big Ten in the 2010s. And recently, really for the past 75 years, people have felt that way about Ohio State. But Things change. USC used to be a dynasty, and now we don't even know if Lincoln Riley can turn them into a dynasty if he has Alex Grinch as his defensive coordinator. Alabama under Nick Saban has had the best dynasty in the history of college football, and eventually it's going to have to come to an end because Nick Saban, like all of us, has a finite lifespan. One day he will sadly die. And one day that's the same with really all of us. I mean, These programs have a finite lifespan. You can't be great and you can't be elite forever. Even Ohio State in that 70-year stretch had a 2011 season where they went 6-7. and So yeah. But on the flip side of that, Michigan State has had several seasons where they went 6-7 and or worse in the past several decades. And because they had a losing record this past season, when NIL and the portal and all these things are really hitting their peak level of growth, like that's when everything's being introduced, when all the new changes are being made, it hurt them. And they're not only going to struggle to keep good players, they're also going to struggle to recruit 
good players. I mean, Keon Coleman, he left because he wants more yards per reception. He wants more total receiving yards. He wants more targets. He wants to play with a better quarterback. And Jordan Travis is a much better quarterback. He's at Florida State. Much better quarterback than anything Michigan State has right now. And they're going to struggle to recruit as well. Michigan State currently has, as their high school recruiting class for 2023, which has concluded, the number 23 class. That's for 2023. In 2024, they have the number 68 high school class. They only have three commits. A low-ranked four-star in Jalen Thompson, Andrew Dennis, and Logan Bennett, three-star offensive linemen. Their recruiting went from being on fire in the 2022 preseason to about as cold as Antarctica this preseason. And I anticipate that it won't be as bad as it is right now for the rest of the Mel Tucker tenure, unless he truly is a horrible head coach, which I don't think he is. But recruiting in the portal are going to have to be, they're going to be obstacles. And they're going to have to be obstacles just looking at things from a logical perspective, unless Mel Tucker starts to win games and him and his staff begin to develop some of these lower ranked players like what D'Antonio did. He's going to have to play the game that D'Antonio, Kirk Ferentz, Paul Christ, and these coaches that didn't have the resources or just didn't want to recruit at a high level had to do. They had to develop lower-level talent. He's going to have to play that game, and he's doing some of it via the portal. I know that he's also recruited better than D'Antonio has, but if Michigan State wants to compete and if they want to recruit at a higher level— and one of the ways you do that, do that is you show that you can consistently beat good teams. Like, beat Michigan this year. Surprise everyone and beat Ohio State this year, and you will be back on the map. In order to do that, with the talent Michigan State currently has assembled, you're going to have to have great coordinators, underrated players, and you're going to have to develop players from the ground up. That's number one, and that's the biggest obstacle, recruiting in the portal. If Michigan State could recruit an elite at an elite level, if they were recruiting an elite at an elite level, and if they were using the portal and only gaining from it and not losing big-time players like Keon Coleman, right now, some of these other concerns wouldn't be such a big deal. Big Ten scheduling is another one. The Spartans will consistently play some of the nation's hardest schedules. They have a unanimous top 10 schedule this season. No one is going to argue that Michigan State has a schedule that is weaker than a top 10 schedule. I happen to think they have the toughest schedule in the country because they face four top 10 teams from my top 25. They face four top 10 teams, which is crazy, especially since Michigan State is not a top 25 team. That is a very hard schedule. And it won't get easier when USC and UCLA are added. Now, to counterbalance that, there won't be the East and West anymore. And I doubt Michigan State in 2024 and beyond will play USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all in the same year. They'll probably play at most two of those teams. Scheduling will be more balanced for most East Division teams outside of Ohio State and Michigan. The schedules will get easier. For Michigan and Ohio State because they're right now so elite and so powerful in the conference, 
the change will feel like nothing to them. For Michigan State and the other lower East Division teams who aren't the big two, it'll get easier. For the West, it'll get dramatically harder. And USC and UCLA, it'll be harder for them too because, let's face it, the Big Ten is just a better conference than the Pac-12. So Michigan State for this year especially, but even for the future, very tough schedule. But there is a flip side to it, a positive that we will get to in a few minutes. The third is defensive back play. Now, this is something that could change on the flip of a coin. It could change this season. Michigan State's secondary was totally gutted by attrition, by graduation, by outgoing transfers, by going to the NFL draft, or again, I don't know how Amir Speed got drafted, but again, I'm not a draft expert, so there's that. Anyway, Mel Tucker has proven for three years in a row that he can't develop a great secondary. And I think if you look at recruiting, you look at how he's kept Harlan Barnett, how he's kept Scotty Hazelton, even with the bad secondary, I don't think secondary is a priority. Mel Tucker's defense, I don't think, cares about the no-fly zone like D'Antonio did. The defense that Mel Tucker wants to run, think about it. He got Brandon Jordan as the pass rush specialist. Like, he fortified, upgraded the pass rush. He brought in Marco Coleman as the defensive line coach who went back to Georgia Tech after 2022. He wants to make a great D-line great front seven. The secondary is pretty much an afterthought. I think that the hirings, the firings, the transfer portal, recruiting, I think all of that proves that. Mel Tucker cares more about having a strong front seven much more than he does a solid back four or front six because the four, two, five and new defenses exist. It's not always a front seven anymore, but Michigan State's linebacker core and their D line and edge players are deep enough to where they can have a front seven, front six, whatever they want. The secondary is where the team's the thinnest on defense and where the most questions are. Now, I think this year, Michigan State will have its best secondary under the Mel Tucker era, but that's not saying much. They could be top 100. They could be 100th as a secondary, and that would be Michigan State's best secondary in the Mel Tucker era. So whether it's by design, whether it's by just complete ineptitude, and I think it's a mix of both, I think defensive back play is quite possibly going to be a permanent weakness for Michigan State under Mel Tucker. That's just my opinion. You can debate with me in the comments below, but I think recruiting, hirings, firings, I think all point to that. Now here are some advantages that Michigan State has, in my opinion. Some advantages the Spartans have are reputation and history. Mel Tucker commands a program that is considered to be top 25 in college football history. If you ever check out Blue Blood rankings and other things, Michigan State is top 25 in several categories. Now, they're not even close to a Blue Blood, but top 25 all-time is still pretty darn good. And go back to recent success, they've won the Big Ten in the past decade. They have won 10 games multiple times in the past decade. They've won 11 games in the past decade. They've won a New Year's Six Bowl in the past decade. That's something that not even the Michigan Wolverines can say. 
even though Michigan over the past decade has been a much better program, Michigan State's won a New Year's Six Bowl, and Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have not. I think they'll change that this year. As many of you know, I have them winning the national title, which means they'll have to win technically two New Year's Six games. One's a bowl game, the other's the college football playoff title game, which technically isn't a bowl, but it's also a postseason game, so technically it is. Don't know exactly how that works. But Michigan State has things that go its way when it comes to resume. And speaking of resume, the scheduling is tough, but this means Michigan State could go 9-3 and or 10-2. and They could enter the 12-team playoff with multiple losses. Because I imagine that sooner or later, eventually the college football playoff committee is going to have to be held accountable for their how they measure strength of schedule or strength of record. Because the Big Ten and the SEC aren't going to want parity. And why should they when their two conferences are beyond the toughest in the country? Those are the top two. Then there is a massive trench. And in that trench are the other three quote-unquote Power Five conferences. The ACC is garbage compared to the Big Ten and, and SEC. And the Pac-12 and Big 12, while significantly better than the ACC, in my opinion, especially the Pac-12, they're still pretty behind the Big Ten and the SEC. So the Big Ten and the SEC are going to want to get recognition for being tough. And how do you do that? You make a system that has a clear ranking for strength of schedule and strength of record. And that's how that becomes a factor officially in the college football playoff rankings. And I think that Michigan State would benefit from that, being in the Big Ten. If you're a team in the ACC, if the ACC survives, but I don't know. I think it's more likely they survive than the Pac-12 at this point, given the news. Or if you're in the Big 12, it'll hurt you. Because with the weaker strength of schedule, a 9-3 and Michigan State team or a 9-3 and Tennessee could get in over a 10-2, and or dare I say it, 11-1 and Big 12 or ACC team that has a much, much weaker strength of schedule and by consequence, strength of record. So the Big Ten scheduling is a double-edged sword. It's less likely because of the tough scheduling and the lack of talent. Those two things combined will make it harder to win conference and national championships. But an impressive strength of record will benefit you when it comes to wanting to compete for the playoff and national titles. Finally, there's name, image, and likeness. Now, maybe this is controversial, but Michigan State was an early pioneer of the NIL era, and they have billionaire donors. There's a reason Mel Tucker is still one of the highest paid coaches in college football. Michigan State has a very wealthy donor base that is interested in making Michigan State athletics into a powerhouse. So if Mel Tucker wins... And if Mel Tucker is willing to be the Spartan dog that he claims that he is, Michigan State can have success in name, image, and likeness, which can help retain players, especially because it looks like that NIL is going to be more so of a market when it comes to retaining players and keeping good players rather than risking it all for a high school prospect who you don't know will pan out or not. And it will also come into the realm of paying for good coordinators. Michigan State, with their donor base, they can get 
several coordinators and several assistants that I think would be upgrades over Scotty Hazleton and Jay Johnson. Now, maybe Mel Tucker doesn't agree with that. Michigan State doesn't agree with that. He didn't make any staff changes, and we'll see how that affects him this season. All in all, though, I look at Michigan State, and while currently their disadvantages seem to outweigh their advantages, if they win games, and if they beat a good team in winning multiple games outside of a big game, they will have success, and those advantages will probably outshine the obstacles placed in front of Mel Tucker and his football team. That's looking at the immediate future and also the near and distant future. But now I want to talk about 2023 in general and go over Michigan State. According to ESPN and their football power index, the Spartans have the seventh hardest schedule in the nation. And according to my potential power index, they have the toughest schedule. So Michigan State very well could be like 2021 Nebraska, where they have a losing record, but we all know they're much better than several 7-6, and 8-5 and five teams that we could name. In power rankings, Michigan State very well could end up being a top 25 team by the end of the season with a 6-6 six and six record, or a 5-7 and seven record, or a 7-5 and five record. Their schedule is tough. Look, look at their schedule. Central Michigan, Richmond. You're going to go 2-0. If you don't go 2-0 in that stretch, well, you better, you better start praying. Washington comes into town, then Maryland comes into town. Then road games at Iowa, at Rutgers, a home game against Michigan, at Minnesota, hosting Nebraska, at Ohio State, at Indiana, and then facing in a neutral site game versus Penn State in Ford Field, which is much closer to Michigan State, and I expect Michigan State to have more of a home field advantage than Penn State will, but it's still closer to a neutral site game than a Michigan State home game. All in all, 2-0 start, and then any of the games after that are losable. I'd like to say Indiana, Rutgers, and even Maryland or Nebraska, just because Maryland will be a revenge game and Nebraska has a first-year head coach, I'd like to say those are closer to guaranteed wins than not. But I can't say that because Michigan State lost to Maryland handily last year. They lost to Indiana. Nebraska has more talent than Michigan State, and they look to have a better quarterback. And Rutgers is a road game, and Rutgers is slowly but surely getting better year after year after year. And while I think Greg Schiano to a certain degree, has possibly lost his touch, I think if Rutgers is willing to be extra patient with a man who brought them back before, I think Rutgers can eventually get to a point where they consistently go bowling and maybe crack an eight or nine win season here or there. So very tough schedule that is staring Mel Tucker in the face right now. I think it's the toughest in the nation. ESPN thinks it's the seventh hardest. SG1 Sports made a video about this, and he also has it in the top 10. Everyone agrees that this is one of the nation's toughest schedules. It would take a lot of teams disappointing for this to not be a top 10 schedule. The Spartans on the upside have a top 25 overall class, according to 24-7 Sports. They have a recruit average rank of 87. So about a high-level three-star is what their average recruit is. So top 25 high school recruiting class, top 25 overall 
class, and they have some key incoming transfers. They have 14 incoming transfers. They picked up Alante Brown from Nebraska, who I think is an underrated addition for a wide receiver room that needs depth, needs starters. I think Alante Brown was a highly talented player at Nebraska who just didn't work out, but now he's with Michigan State, and him and Trey Mosley will be Michigan State's best wide receivers easily. There are also some other underrated additions, like Jaron Mangum, a running back from USF, Jalen Franklin, a tight end from Wisconsin, other tight ends as well, like Ty Neal Hopper from Boise State, Adamola Filei from, I think it's Norfolk State, and then Nathan Carter is the player that I'm watching for, transfer running back in from UConn. There was a comment today that said, I'm not saying Carter is Walker 2.0, but watch out for him, or something like that, I'm paraphrasing. And that comment's totally correct. I'm not going to predict that he's going to be the next Kenneth Walker. That would be hard for me to predict, period, but he'll be good. I expect him behind Mel Tucker's most veteran, experienced, and physical offensive line to have a good season. Michigan State will be much better at running the football this year compared to last year. The strengths of this team are running back, tight end, offensive line, and defensive line. Basically trench play. They won't have elite trench play, but they'll have good, maybe great trench play. And their talent, especially amongst their starters, is underrated. I think their weaknesses are, again, secondary play, along with special teams and offensive play calling. And something that's not on the screen, but I think is important, is that Michigan State, after their starters... They don't have a lot of talent. They're not deep. They're talented when it comes to their starting roster, but if injuries occur again, Michigan State's a team that could be one or two injuries away from being a top 25 team versus a bottom 25 power five team. Like, seriously. They do not have a lot of depth, and that's why Mel Tucker is using the transfer portal much more than he did last season because he realizes that he doesn't have the depth that he needs. And that's why Michigan State's high school recruiting class signing only around like 20 kids is devastating. In fact, it wasn't even 20. It was like 16. It's devastating. They need a lot more depth than that. They only have 30 incoming players for the 2023 overall recruiting class. According to ESPN's FPI, they're 31st in the country. According to my potential power index, which for now only includes power five teams, but the only group of five teams that could be better than Michigan State are maybe Tulane, maybe, maybe Boise State. So they're still a top 35 team overall. They're number 32 according to my potential power index. I think their ceiling is 9-4. and four. Their floor is is 5-7. and seven. This team could be a top 25 team, so don't write them off. Writing them off would be a huge mistake. I think they're bound to improve after last year's debacle. Whether that will show in their record is yet to be seen, but I think they'll go 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, and they'll probably finish 7-6, and six, losing their bowl if they go 7-5, and five, winning it if they go 6-6. Six and six. That would be my prediction personally. Thank you all for watching this video. If you liked it, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts down below. And if you're listening via Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you around.